Hello humans of triathlon and welcome back or welcome to the hot podcast where we bring you the ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon one human one story at a time with the aim to inspire and to celebrate this life-changing sport and its humans through real authentic raw and enjoyable conversations with triathletes from around the globe and from all walks of life I'm Swapnil Chauhan here with my co-host Charles Hunk and Radmom Robin along with another amazing guest. Grief and loss are something all humans have to face. Finding the shining light of triathlon in these dark times brought our guest today out of what she calls a deep, dark hole as she was grieving the death of her sister. It has also changed her entire approach to life and health and has taken the path of her life and her career in some unexpected directions. So please welcome our guest today who says that the focus, discipline, and planning of triathlon keeps the chaos at bay. Angela Bernaldo, welcome to Humans of Triathlon. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on. Absolutely. All right, so to get things going, um, we like to start with this question, which is, let's say you were to write a book about your life so what which point in your life would you like begin the book with and what would be the title of the first chapter and why Oh gosh um the ordinary childhood i guess would be the name of the first <laughs> chapter um okay. nothing really stands out for my childhood you know my parents did everything they could to give me and my sister kind of everything that we needed not so much everything that we wanted <laughs> um <laughs> my mum worked during the day and my dad worked at night so it was kind of passing ships with my with the um I guess looking after me and my sister so we didn't really see too much of my mom because my dad would take over when we got home from school and yeah just pretty ordinary really nothing I didn't really play much sport I was into swimming actually a lot but um unfortunately I had um some complications and I had to get some grommets in my ears and so I had to stop swimming because of that. And you can't get have your ears operated on until all the bones kind of hear, um, kind of grow properly. And they, that doesn't happen until you're about 15. So I had to stop swimming. But Oh, that's a bummer. But it's all good now. I'm a great swimmer and <laughs> a swim teacher. Especially where you grew up. I imagine swimming is like almost a required thing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like to get your like national ID card, do you have to swim like 500 meters or something? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, um, I actually went to a summer camp in the States and all of the pool and the lake stuff are all just Australian or New Zealand. <laughs> oh, wow. So where kind of take us from there. Like, so you're a teenager and it sounds like you and your sister were super close. I love what you said on your team with the triathlon post about being, you know, best of friends and worst of enemies. <laughs> Typical. Yeah, well, when we were growing up, we fought all the time um I was that little sister that just hung around with her big sister and all of her friends and they loved me but she hated it because they didn't have any little sisters <laughs> so I kind of was like the adopted little sister for her group and she hated that um <clears throat> and there was a few things that my parents didn't find out about us until I actually gave the eulogy at her funeral <laughs> but we were pretty cheeky when we were growing up my friend my sister's friends and her would write notes from my parents saying that I could go out with them at lunchtime and my sister actually stole cigarettes from my dad and I did too, but I didn't smoke them. I sold them to my friends at school. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
sorry, just bringing up a lot of memories. I wouldn't expect to get kind of a bit emotional about this. <clears throat> um, so I guess fast forward to when my sister moved out, that was when we kind of got close again. And she got pregnant and um, her, the full term of the pregnancy went through. And unfortunately, she she um, she lost that baby, which brought us even closer together. Wow, I can imagine. And so um, maybe six months later, she got pregnant again, um, which was amazing. And little Alex, she's six now. So that's kind of that, that journey that I went through with my sister. As for getting into triathlon, for Alex, I guess I just wanted to be that that kind of female figure in her life that she could look up to. So how did you come across triathlon? Were there people around you that were doing it? or No, very foreign to me. Um, <laughs> so I went to the gym and lost a bit of weight and I was feeling good and I just jumped online to find – uh, yeah, so I just jumped online to find like a sporting club. Um, I just imagined that I would enjoy basketball or netball or something. And um, then the Get Into Triathlon six-week program came up in, with the Non-Awarding Tri Club. Um, and I'm still with them now after that. And so I just I was like, yeah, I can swim. I've got a bike. I can kind of run, jog, walk if I have to. So I gave that a go and it was amazing. The community aspect of that that club is just outstanding and so that's kind of why I stuck around is because there was a really good group of people and I just wanted to surround myself with that positive vibe. Yeah I mean triathlon clubs it seems like are are sort of a galvanizing force for so many people to to make this transformation. Yeah and then so everyone has their own story too so it's just good to kind of hear where everyone's come from. So how do you pull yourself out of that hole and what you said the motivation was to be an inspiration for your niece? So, like, and, like, before that, was there any feelings of actually wanting to make a lifestyle change? Um, A lifestyle change? Not really. I was in a cruisy hospitality job, customer service, and with hospitality, you know, you go out for drinks afterwards and it turns into 10, and (laughs) that was my life at that stage. Um, I always kind of went to the gym a little bit, but nothing serious. But when my sister died, it was kind of sudden and that's when I just snapped out of it and I was like, wow, I need to change something because you don't know how long you have. So what was the reaction of your family and maybe your close friends when you decided to make that lifestyle change? Was it more supportive or could they not quite understand what you were trying to do? Uh, No, so I've been in triathlon for over two years now and they still have the same kind of feelings. Like then my cousins that live in Perth are the only people that have seen me do a race Mm. (laughs) so and yeah that's that's kind of disappointing but you know it is what it is so triathlon kind of turned your whole life upside down new friends new sport new other things yeah yeah it did exactly so um this year I actually quit my job I was working at a bank um, and I've gone back to study. So I'm studying sports development and now going into a sport and exercise science bachelor next year, which has also changed everything in my whole life. So in the last few years, I've had like real drastic changes and it's been amazing for my for my personal and professional growth. So what's the reason behind and choosing? Part of your... Go ahead, Rob. <laughs> I was going to say is that... Well, okay, I forgot what I was going to say. So go ahead. <laughs> 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 no, I was just saying, so, like, what's the motivation and reason behind doing those courses and what do you, like, aim to achieve with those? Um, okay, so the uni that I'm at has a pool, 
So I've just decided to um, be a swim teacher there and in that kind of community as well as studying there and working there has really um, kind of shifted my focus to kind of go into, I guess, school programs and I've had a lot of opportunities to go into schools and coach um, and just kind of be that mentor kind of figure with the kids and it's just been amazing. So I think that I'm going to go into something to do with that. Yeah, so I guess I was going to ask, like, was there sort of a germ of this anywhere in your past, like thinking about teaching or kids or something, or or was it just like 180 degree life change when, when you got into triathlon and it sort of just shifted your whole path onto something else? Shifted everything. Like a lot of my friends have kids and I've always loved playing with them and, you know, hanging out with them. But yeah, I always just imagined that I would be a hotel food and beverage kind of manager or something when I grew up. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just everything since I've started this triathlon journey, I guess. my It's amazing. Like <laughs> I've, I thought that I was heading one way, but I'm clearly going in the opposite direction. <laughs> and you mentioned a few uh, moments ago about how you started. I just wanted to quick uh, touch uh, on that point. But you started on, on the sport, right? Uh, you said uh, you started by a, a tri club. And uh, so even though the sport of triathlon is a very individual, my own thing, can you sort of describe briefly maybe for, for people how, how, how did it work for you? So how, how, was, uh, how did it uh, help you to go from, from zero to something, no? to sort of uh, explain a little bit of the process? Um, okay, so I guess the initial training day if you will of the the six-week program is just kind of a meet and greet and then it was really great the president of the club came down and um just kind of gave a bit of a motivating speech I guess about where the journey could go um and along those six weeks a lot of the club came down and gave their own time to kind of mentor us if you will um and that really stuck with me a few of the club members I'm still really good friends with that actually took their own time to come down to the newbies And um, we have this simulation race that we do at the same place at the end of the six weeks before the big race, which is actually this weekend for those newbies again. <laughs> and the, the club people from the club just come down and they get in the water with you and they go on the bike ride with you. And so that was really kind of introducing the, the social factor of the clubs. And it was just the fact that they just took their own time was amazing. And so with those new groups, we do two sessions each summer. And I always go down there as well, just to kind of give back and have the newbies have that experience that I had with the community of it all. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That sounds like a really great club to be part of. <laughs> well, Swap Neil was actually in that club for a little while, I think, weren't you? I was for a while, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I wasn't as involved with the whole group as Angela is, but yeah, I met them a few times and they're obviously a great bunch of people. So have you guys met in person? So, yeah, so yeah. and I actually know each other, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So what was the most challenging part of triathlon for you? I guess the last six weeks, actually. <laughs> We, I did Melbourne Marathon and I did very badly. And I've actually put on three kilos and I'm feeling pretty sorry for myself. So just kind of dragging myself back out. I went for a run this morning and it was real struggle street. So, yeah, from I guess this moment is um, just kind of turning that little downhill spiral that I was kind of getting myself into, a bit of a funk that I was just feeling. So, yeah, if I had <clears throat> to say any hard moments, it's kind of those moments where 
you just have to stop and have a look and reassess what's going on if it's if it's making you grow or not I was gonna say talk a little bit about the um, mental aspect of triathlon like you you really spoke um, in your intro to humans at triathlon about how it changed your ability to cope in your mind and sort of quiet the tumult of thoughts and and deal with a lot of a lot of really hard things so how do you think that happens for you what's the magic um well I guess because it is an individual sport you have a lot of quiet time whether you're running or you know the pool especially when you're just swimming laps mindless laps you just have a lot of alone time you're forced to have alone time whereas before like even now I'm I'm a person that's go 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 all the time talking to this person doing this but when you're training, like you're just with yourself in your own mind, having so much time to think about things and um, I guess to reassess how important you might perceive something to be. And triathlons really kind of made me realise that I don't need anybody's approval where I used to seek it a lot, which put a lot of pressure on me. And like I was saying before, I don't feel like I have much support from my family. I've I've kind of just found my peace with that. Like if they don't want to have anything to do with what I'm passionate about, then that's fine. I've, I've found people that are supportive to me. So, Yeah, you mentioned that this was a big lifestyle switch from sort of your family's approach. Mm. Um, I, I wasn't quite sure what you meant by that. Well, they just don't, I guess, they don't make an effort to to check in with me or to come down to my races or just they're not active in my life, I guess. Hmm. which is sad it's like it's not all of them I have a few close cousins um one actually I've talked into doing a triathlon with me in Canberra who he lives up there and he is quite overweight and it's just amazing that I've inspired one person and that's my job done if I can inspire one person then that's cool so we've decided to do that triathlon every year now so well it'll be our second year this year but (laughs) we'll see Mm, I guess in so now you you mentioned before that you you have been already for two years in the sport, right? So this is a question that sometimes I like to make um, people to see how so what kind of triathlete they start becoming. You know, so uh, so some people they love to race, 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 race all through this all through the season, and then to just go back to very sort of slow and easy training during the off season and whatnot or some people that just really love to, to, to focus on one or two events in a year and you just train 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 and then do those particular races so are you more of a of a racer racer or a trainer trainer um i guess last year i was a racer racer this year i'm turning to a trainer trainer um i i've always like i said love the social bit of it so you, the club sessions i kind of go to just for that not really to train just to hang out with the guys um this year i was planning on only doing two halves and a full but we'll see if i get myself out of this funk i am right now <laughs> yeah another thing i've seen with your races or every time you choose to race is that you usually attach it to some kind of some kind of cause whether that be fundraising or um, raising awareness for something so what's the motivation behind that um well I guess that all started when my sister passed away she did a lot of work with SIDS which is an acronym for sudden infant death syndrome because like I said obviously she experienced a death um so she was always a charitable person um and I you know I kind of got behind her with that kind of stuff that she did but I was never active in the community in that kind of sense. 
But after she passed away, that's how I helped myself find peace with the situation. Um, I just kind of carried on that legacy for my sister. So the first few years I raised money for the Heart Foundation mm-hmm. and um, this year I went over to Beyond Blue because I, I felt like since since her passing, um, I took care of my kind of physical health. I made sure that I was fit. I got I lost some weight. But then this year has definitely been a focus on my mental health and going back to what I love, which is sport, and um, just kind of looking after myself, I guess. And, um, yeah, so Beyond Blue was what we we actually, me and one of my other friends who I met through raising money for the Health Foundation, who's actually a triathlon as well, we did a lapathon <laughs> to try and see how many, how much money we could get for our prospective charities. And, of course, I won, got the most money. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so if we just went down to our local track and recruited a few of our friends to raise money for our causes and it was just such an amazing day that we want to try and do it again next year as well. So um, it, we just had so much fun with it. And, yeah, so kind of and that inspired a few of my other friends as well to get a bit more um, fit and maybe participate again next year. And so what is Beyond Blue for those of us who aren't um, aware of that org? Yeah, sure. Um, so they're a charity who raise awareness for mental health. Um, and oh, okay. they they also have a strong presence in a few of the races I've done. They have, um, yeah, the charity partners for the corporate triathlon, I think, and um, a Tough Mudder that I also just did. I won an entry to Tough Mudder, which was amazing fun. <laughs> but yeah, so Beyond Blue is kind of the the, the charity if you will, for mental health right now in Australia. So did you have time to prepare for the Tough Mudder after winning the entry? Or did you just go in blind? <laughs> I went in blind and I took four people with me because it was um, a, a group entry. I was just <laughs> like, um, oh, my God, this thing is actually next week and we need to go and do it because I've just won wow. this entry. <laughs> and it was pretty funny. One of my friends that I actually went with was supposed to do a triathlon that weekend. So that was one of the first of the season this year that our club have um, a few people that go up to kind of rural Victoria. It was in Narrawonga. <clears throat> but luckily he hadn't bought a ticket, his entry yet. So I was like, no, you're not doing the triathlon. You're coming to this thing with me and you're going to get muddy. And it was a rainy day. It was awful weather. <laughs> but we had so much fun. And, and that, again, um, also kind of had a sense of community to it because if you did that obstacle course alone, it would be tough. But everyone's just like, yeah, here, I'll give you a lift, stand on my knee, get over this thing. It was that was just so much fun and dirty, very dirty. <laughs> so they ordered up the rain just for it. <laughs> I remember you mentioning to me earlier that your dream race is not everyone. <laughs> like yeah. most people have the dream race as Kona, but yours is actually Alaska Man, which is an extreme try. So what what is it that makes that race so extreme and why are you sort of attracted to that? I hate the heat. I hate it. <laughs> um, I I just I just kind of want to push my body to see what it what it can do. Um and that's another thing why I did triathlons and that's kind of made me realize that you can do a lot. You just have to believe you can. And so I I think one of the things I said that I wanted to push my body as far as my mind had been pushed the last five years. So that was just kind of in cohorts with that, that, yeah, I just, my friend lives in Alaska and she was like, Hey, you should come up here and do this. I think that she was just trying to get me to come and see her. <laughs> but, um, I was like, wow, yeah, I could do that. Um, and it, you know, Alaska is so beautiful and I've always wanted to go there anyway. 
So why not? I'm, I also want to do um, Escape from Alcatraz, <laughs> which is in San Fran. And that's when you swim around the rock and you jump off the back of a ferry. And Yeah. Have you done any other extreme tries yet? No, not yet. So I was um, going to see how my first fall went. I'm going to do Port mm-hmm. Macquarie in May. Oh, Charles is going down for that. Yay. Hey, hey we'll catch up. Awesome. <laughs> yes, let's do that. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so we'll see how Port Mac goes. I was I wanted to do Bustleton, but because I'm a swimmer and the swim's been cancelled the last two years, I would be devastated if I'd had to turn it into a duathlon. <laughs> yeah, and uh, what is this uh, this Alaska Man race? Uh, have you had a, a sort of a target date in your mind when you want to actually do this, or is this is something that you see like uh, just like okay, I would just want to do this before I die? <laughs> um, I've got the calendar right in front of me, and that says 2021. <laughs> Wow. That's great. Nice. <laughs> so what's what are the distances like? Oh, it's a full. Oh, okay. But it's just extremely cold. Is that kind of the big um have to be. Yeah, you have to you have to wear a wetsuit, you have to wear a hood, you have to wear gloves and you have to wear booties in the water, yeah. So you got to get in touch with uh, Chris from New York who did the <laughs> that crazy um cold race with the stinging jellyfish and stuff. He had the hood thing. He was on our show a while back, but yeah, I mean, he was swimming in like the Hudson River in in the middle of winter to prepare for that. So, how would you train where you live <laughs> to yeah. prepare for the cold? Oh well, throw ice cubes in your pool. <laughs> well, um, I'm pretty lucky that I live in Melbourne, and we've got the the Port Phillip Bay is fairly close to me, so um, it gets pretty cold in winter. Swapnil will probably know. Oh yeah. You ever swim down there? Not far. <laughs> is it pretty cold? <laughs> yeah, it gets cold. <laughs> so I mean, when, when people think of Australia, they think it's hot here, but our winters can get pretty chilly. Hmm. And um, is there anything about this Alaska man that really stands out? I guess um, it's just like uh, Robin was mentioning. So we had uh, our, our guest, uh, Chris, he did this uh, one called Keltman. Yeah, that's on my list too. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> One of the marketing sort of uh, points was like, you're going to love coming here and you're going to swim with this super infested jellyfish waters. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And it's like, they just say it like that, right? So, it's like, <laughs> so yeah, what was like, for Alaska, man, what was that, that, if there's any something quirky that they used to, to market the race, I don't know. To market it, I'm not sure, but what pulled me to it was the challenge of it. You have to have someone to run the last half of the run leg with you because there's no aid stations. Um, and I guess I just was attracted by... So you need to bring your own crew. Yes, yeah. So what they don't tell you is that person has to bring a gun to shoot the bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm All of the Facebook pages for Alaska Man, I'm kind of in. I'm not active in them, but I just like look at what everybody's saying and I was like, oh gosh, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> but yeah, so every time someone kind of um, posts about something that interests me. So, for example, um, somebody from Sydney was looking for a support crew to go there, oh. but, the, but he just kind of messaged people that he, he guessed he would just recruit people that already lived there. Um, and I sent him a message saying sh- straight away saying, oh, hey, um, I live in Melbourne, but if you can't find anyone, I'm happy to come and help. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I didn't know him at all, and I was like, yeah, well, why not? <laughs> it kind of He wanted to do it next year, so it was kind of – it would be a segue to me to kind of have a bit more Get, give you some insight understanding yeah 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 but he was yeah he was like but you live in melbourne and i was like well that's closer than the guys that you want to help you from alaska <laughs> <laughs> that is a ways to go 
Yes. <laughs> Are there any other races on your on your scope that you've got got on your your bucket list there? <laughs> um, okay. Well, my goals were two marathons this year. Done that. A full Ironman next year, and then yeah, like I was saying, Keltman in twenty twenty because that would be then the lead up to Alaska Man the year after. Nice. So you got it all planned out. It, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm there. I've got actually a calendar and a whiteboard in my room of all my training that I should be doing and when I'm working and trying to fit everything in. Do you have a coach or do you sort of do it by yourself? I just kind of go by myself because I'm not chasing a time. I figured that all I have to do is to be cut off. So I think I can do that by myself. Right now I'm studying and as you would know, Swapnil, when you're studying, you just kind of do what you can when you can and afford what you can afford when you can afford it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So another thing I noticed was that you're you're on a plant-based diet so was that have you always been like that or when did that happen and how's that sort of worked out for you so far uh no that happened in january this year after i'd eaten a whole family pizza to myself <laughs> and i kind of reassessed myself and i was like you can't do this this is stupid um and i guess it started off just challenging myself for a month. I was like, okay, let's just see how I feel, if you can stick to it. And I felt amazing. And I recovered from training so much quicker. And I guess the only challenge is now going out with my friends <laughs> and having to just get a bowl of chips if they have nothing for me, which is, you know, not ideal. But it's, it stops me from snacking a lot, which is really good too. <laughs> so how easy or hard is it to maintain the diet where in Melbourne or when you're traveling, are there like options available out there usually? Yeah, well, I live in Faulkner, which is, for people who don't know Melbourne, is kind of not far from the vegan hub, if you will, in Brunswick. So there's lots of options around where I live and it's it's kind of getting more out there, to be honest. A lot of cafes that I go to not seeking out vegan food, they're accommodating or they already have something on the menu, which is great. Um, so. Yeah, it's just, it's just um, kind of supply and demand. So you need to make a change because it's just going to keep, the veganism is just going to keep growing and, you know, people are going to go out of business or make a change. So it's up to them really. So are you a pure vegan or um, just on the diet and nutrition side of things? Look, I've heard a lot of like this plant-based versus being a vegan and I've only kind of realized the difference. I did it for my health first. Mm -hmm. So I guess I could be in the plant-based kind of category but you know once you start putting plant-based in the google search you can't help getting sucked into the vegan <laughs> rabbit hole if you will <laughs> um so yeah there's a few videos that i've seen that aren't great but you know that's reality well if you ever come visit uh, my little corner of oregon there's this is like a vegan mecca i'll keep that in mind <laughs> amazing <laughs> we're very crunchy granola a uh, lot of a lot of ethical eating kind of people's local food green smoothies yeah green smoothies <laughs> all the way excellent we've even got like vegan comfort food vegan soul food yeah well we've got okay. um there's a pub here that does like usual like parmigiana pub food that is either they have the meat versions and then they have the vegan options as well that's exactly the same so that's kind of cool oh, that's cool so were you a meat eater before absolutely yeah every yeah yeah probably almost every day yeah steak 
chicken. Yeah, I used to love it. How how did you let that go? I mean, that that's pretty hard to let go, especially. I'm sure many people feel like it's something that they can't let go of. Yeah. And I definitely hear a lot of, well, where do you get your iron from and all this? And it's just exactly like, no, yeah. <laughs> it's just knowing your your macros and how much you need and where to get it from. Like it's, it's not hard. I get my bloods test a lot. I give blood. Um, I give actually plasma every fortnight so they can tell me what my iron is then. And so, um, but yeah, so the challenge, like I was saying, the challenge was just to see if I could do it for a month and, after that month, I kind of tried a few things just to see if I liked it or, you know, if if I kind of, if I still felt like I needed it, like you said. Um, and so I tried eggs and I couldn't get the taste out of my mouth for two days. It was just horrible. I couldn't, I don't eat eggs anymore. Like I don't even want to eat eggs anymore after that experience. And the same thing was with, um, with like a steak too. So m- me and um, one of my other friends that's kind of on this journey with me, had a steak together and I just like, it wasn't, it wasn't awful, but I just didn't need it. I felt like I didn't need to eat it. I mean, it's just kind of, it was, I guess, a reset of my mind as well as I guess my palate, if you will. But yeah. So, I mean, once you try it and then you try and go back to how you were, you kind of realize it's just like when you, when you go and exercise and work out and that, once you do it for a certain amount of time and then you try not doing it, you really feel, I've well, guilty a little bit, I guess. But since you've been doing it, it's just routine now. So you just keep doing it. Mm. And I guess in your diet, this is, well, this is a very geeky engineer question, but uh, what percentage of what you eat do you cook yourself versus what you get in a, in a outsider from a, from a restaurant or any, any shop? I would say probably 70, 70 to 80% I cook myself. I've never really gone out or eat a lot of processed food anyway. I would make most of my food myself just purely from a budget point of view. <laughs> yeah, yeah, And I, I've always enjoyed cooking, so I guess it's kind of a challenge now as well to find things that I can make that are new and still delicious and that I can make for my friends and they'll still be like, oh, okay, yeah, that's amazing or still like it. So I'm still finding new recipes and new ways to cook certain things and new vegetables. I'm finding new vegetables to cook with and it's just, <laughs> it's like it's taking me down this amazing journey as well as long as uh, along with everything else that I'm doing right now in my life. Yeah, I guess that was part of, uh, of the intro of my second question. It's just like now that, that we know that you cook mostly yourself, uh, I guess if you can explain a little bit how has been your journey uh, quickly on how do you discover how to cook yourself on, uh, on a vegan way, right? Because you need to understand what what can you eat, what can you not eat, and how can you actually make things not taste, uh, I'm going to say, boring. You know, I, for example, I live in the UK and I was watching this. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of this TV show called The Great British Bake Off. Yeah. <laughs> you have this, right? Of course. participants. <laughs> like trying to make all these great uh, recipes and cakes and pastries. And obviously every week you have your sort of specialty. And I think a couple of weeks ago I was watching a show and they say, okay, we, today we're going to have the first ever vegan week, right? Wow. So you can only cook with vegan ingredients. And obviously how do you make cakes without eggs or without butter, without milk? And uh, you, you'd see like uh, some of the, of the key contestants who used to be like, 
the, the, the favorites in previous shows just breaking down here because it's like, <laughs> oh my God, how, how do I actually get to do this, right? So I guess in your case, how, 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 did that, how do you adapt? Uh, how, how do you uh, inspire yourself to get uh, that, uh, those techniques? Well, I guess, firstly, I'm not a real sweet tooth, so that kind of helps. I don't eat a lot of cakes or that. But there's alternatives for all of that. You don't have to use cow's milk. You can use soy milk and you don't have to use butter. You can use the Nutilex or any other kind of, you can use coconut oil. And there's actually this one recipe that I have that instead of eggs, you use applesauce. So, and that makes an amazing chocolate cake, which all my friends love, even my non-vegan friends. So I guess it's not, it's not been too much of a hassle, I guess trying to find alternatives like you just put tofu in it instead of I put tofu in my stir fry instead of chicken or um, extra mushrooms in you know in my salad or yeah I mean it's it's not hard to do people have this kind of stigma that being vegan is just too hard and it's just knowing what you need and how to get it really All right. I guess the challenge is actually I don't have a lot of vegan friends so that is the challenge I don't have a lot of people that are supportive because they're not in that situation. So, do you have uh, people you've followed online that have done like Ironmans and stuff? So you kind of have an idea what to expect, like with aid stations and and sort of other challenges that might be specific to that. Um, yes. So I, I usually take all my own kind of fuel with me. I've actually just um, volunteered for Surf Coast Century, which is a hundred k's down along um, the coast here in Victoria, um, and they actually had uh, boiled potatoes and vegan risotto for the participants. So, I mean, it's it's a culture that they have to adapt to, you know, and um, if there's demand for it, they're going to supply, I think. So I think it'll be okay. All right. I think we can head on over to the um, wrap-up questions. Sure. So what's the message you would want people listening to this takeaway from your story? Keep pushing yourself. Uh, your your body and your mind are capable of so many wonderful things if you just try something new and just keep reaching for your goals. And then when you get that one, make the next one and the one after that and just, just keep shooting for the stars. Awesome. If you miss, you'll land on the moon anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and are there any people or brands you'd like to give a shout out to? Um, well, obviously, the Nutterwadding Tri Club, who I'm still a member of. They're amazing. Their community sense that we have is just phenomenal and they're so supportive of every individual that's active there so those guys are amazing um also i'm fueled by huck gels which is vegan and so they're also a amazing crew they're they're so supportive also of my journey yeah other than that just my friends and family who are supportive of all of the choices that I've made to change drastically in my life. <laughs> um, yeah, just a shout out to them. All right. And before we ask a last question, tell everyone where they can find you online. <laughs> um, my Instagram is xtry.ange. Um, and on Facebook, just Angela Brunaldo. I think I'm the only one. <laughs> If not, um, my my profile picture is always of some ridiculous jump or pose I'm making that they capture on course. <laughs> and our last question is, why do you try? Why do I try? Well, why not? <laughs> um, no, so I, I just want to be inspiring, I guess. And um, like I said, that one cousin that I have that does the triathlons with me now, if I've that's my job done. I've done one. So hopefully he'll pay it forward.
That is a fantastic thing. Yeah, I mean, the transformation you've made in just two years is pretty crazy. So big kudos to you on that. Pretty mind-boggling. So guys, I've got some news for you. We're launching right here on this episode a new podcast segment called CCC, which stands for Community Comments with Charles, where I will share with you what the people in the community are saying about the hot podcast through comments, messages on social media, and reviews. So let's start with this week's comment that comes from Lisa Jo Herbaugh from Connecticut, USA. And she says the following, Tears and triumphs, these podcasts rock. I've so enjoyed these podcasts because they are highlighting real people with real-life challenges. These guys know how to reach high-level performers and the beginners. Interesting tidbits for all levels. They bring the whole community together by being so diverse. I really appreciate that. So thank you very much, Lisa, for your kind words. That's what we do here. That's what we bring humans of triathlon. That's why we call it humans of triathlon. So now you know, we would love to hear from you as well what you think about this episode, the guests, the show. Like, feel free to comment on our social media page and the posts about uh, your thoughts, feedback, you know, as it helps us to improve the show. And it would mean a lot to us if you could take a minute, just a half a minute, to leave you know, the show a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you listen on, as it helps the show and these amazing stories reach more and new listeners like yourself. And you and your review could be featured next week, no, who knows, or the coming weeks here on CCC, Community Comments with Charles on the Humans of Triathlon Hot Podcast. Thanks a lot for listening to the show. We hope you're enjoying the guests and conversations we're bringing you here on the Hot Podcast. The show notes for everything mentioned or discussed during the chats can be found on our website, which is humansoftriathlon.com forward slash hot podcast. And thank you all for being a part of this community. We really appreciate it. And be sure to join us again next week where we'll bring you another amazing guest and story from this ordinary but extraordinary world of triathlon. Until then everyone, keep trying.